Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady. take enough black pills that it eventually, for me, I was so just despondent and bummed out about the way that it was going that I, that I had to come to this realization that nobody's coming to help. And just this, that surrender made me extremely kind of hopeful for the future. Like there's, there's a way that I can, you know, I've got to be able to go do this on my own. There's a way there could be possibly a way out, and if it if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I, I have you know faith in something other than myself that things are going to be okay, and that's the way I got to live. Otherwise, you know what's the what's the point of even being here? I kind of identify as an agorist, which, you know, I prefer to operate in the gray and black markets, and, and I want to encourage people to do that as much as they can, and just um, not pay taxes as much as possible, and and do all, all the stuff that you can do, and, and work with other people that are like-minded, and develop communities.
Hey friends, thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and today on the show, I interviewed Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pills, a show where he literally red pills his mother-in-law. I was a guest on episode 17, and then we had him on this show. So folks, enjoy this conversation with Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pills, and at the end, stick around because I included my interview on Deborah Gets Red Pilled right here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast pod feed, baby. All right. I hope you guys have enjoyed the week. I certainly have. Yesterday was my birthday and my lovely, lovely girlfriend, who I'm so, so blessed to be with, set up a surprise party with Sam Tripoli, Alex Stein, and so many others, Mike Romanelli, Michael Wan, Yogi Zarananda, Ryan Dean, Ron from New England, Brandon Thomas. Jeez, there were so many. I'm forgetting, for sure forgetting. Uh, fuck, fuck, who am I forgetting? <laughs> Andre from Ascension of the Chessmen podcast. And, um, and uh, I said Brandon Thomas. Ah, that's all right. Folks, either way, I'm going to upload the audio for you audio listeners so you can check that episode out coming soon. But yeah, I'm just so grateful. It was a lot of fun. Um, Tara just shocked me with that one, as well as some other cool gifts that she got me. So look forward to that, folks, and show us some love on the Patreon support. You know, I say it every episode, and I'm not going to stop saying it until we reach a thousand people in the Patreon. That's the goal. We need to get up to a thousand. And, and there's a thousand of you listening, so sign up. If more than a hundred people sign up for the Patreon this month, we will do something awesome. I'm talking a whole nother podcast. I'm talking something exclusive. But you guys got to make it worth my time. Because I'll do the free show until I'm exhausted and turn to a skeleton in the ground. That's fine. I'll do it. You guys can support me here with your free time. But if you really want some magic to be made, throw some money our way. Okay? Because this is how it works, folks. It's value for value. So go on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. Or if you want to support in another way, go over to podinbox.com slash MFTIC in all capital letters and leave a voicemail. Tell us why your family thinks you're crazy. You can also join us on the Telegram, t.me slash my family thinks I'm crazy chat. So come on over there and, uh, Join the conversation, folks. Again, this is Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled on the show today. Somebody who was kind enough to invite me on his podcast all the way back in December. So it might be a little dated, but I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, yeah, check out his podcast. Like he said in this interview, he's got a whole bunch of new show ideas coming down the pipe, changing it up, mixing it up. Unfortunately, Deborah's going to need a lot more red pills she's gonna need a whole lot more red pills apparently but you guys will find out for yourselves enjoy and thank you so much for tuning in to another fun festive episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast sorry about that 
edit that part out. Okay, we'll edit that. We'll edit that part out. Edit the sorry out. Okay, we'll edit that part out. Cut. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. With me today is the host of an awesome show, which I've been a guest on. You know him from the Deborah Gets Red Pilled podcast. His name is Adam. Adam, it's a pleasure to have you here, man. How are you today? I'm doing really good, man. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Right on. Yeah. Glad you joined me. So for those who don't know about your show, can you please let them know? Tell us about your show and this unique idea for a show, I think is a really cool concept. So if you could explain it a little further for those who may not have heard it before. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Deborah Gets Red Pilled. It is with my mother-in-law, my wife's mom. I wanted to do a to start podcasts is the summer of 2020, I guess. And I was pretty down about the whole lockdown situation. I lived outside of uh, Portland, Oregon when it started, you know, so it was pretty rough here. And I had this idea to do this podcast for a while and then never got it off the ground and just was like, one day just was feeling so bad about myself and about the situation here that I just hit her up. I was like, let's do this right now. And we put out a 30 minute podcast. It was really bad. Just kind of introducing ourselves to each other and went from there. And we've had on tons of guests and talked about every, every single topic that I'm interested in from, you know, DB Cooper to Liberty and freedom. I like to mix a lot of that stuff in because that's kind of the politics that makes the most sense to me. And, you know, Tartaria, Flat Earth, everything, you know, every, every conspiracy. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been really frustrating at times, emotional at times. I think we had some pretty heavy shows lately. And I realized that I wasn't as far down the road with her as I thought. And she kind of reverted back to a lot of her old, old ways of thinking. So I'm going to, uh, switch up formats of the show and put out three different podcasts under the same RSS feed. I'm going to do a homestead podcast with my wife. We just bought um, 15 acres out in the middle of nowhere in rural Oregon. And then I'm going to do a conspiracy podcast with my friend Paul. And then I'm going to do like a one-on-one show with Deborah, where we just, just kind of talk about stuff, not have any specific topics where we just kind of I'm going to call it like inside the boomer brain or deconstructing the boomer brain or something like that. Wow. So just to clarify again, for those who haven't heard, I mean, Deborah, the intention with your mother-in-law who I was a guest on the show, it was a nice time. I enjoyed meeting you both. And the intention was to slowly, but surely red pill her, so to speak but it sounds to me like maybe it didn't go as planned. What, what are your, I mean, is there a reason in your mind not to get too personal? I know you guys are both, you know, sort of public about a lot of things on the show, but what, what do you think that is? Cause I, I know people listening who gravitate towards the, the title of your show and my show probably have folks in their lives who they're trying to help understand some of these things. And, a lot of times when I ask this question, you know, does your family think you're crazy? Folks will tell me, well, you know, I don't really care what my family thinks. I'm just doing my own thing. You know, so it's a unique situation in your case where you actually do care uh, what this person thinks. And they've sort of voluntarily, which is also rare, said, yeah, all right, I'll take this. I'll, I'll 
give this a shot, you know, try to red pill me. So what do you think it is that, that went wrong or, or what do you think you need to change up uh, to maybe open her eyes a little further? I think that I made the assumption that she was retaining a lot of stuff. And I think that, and she wasn't, and cause I'll, I'll talk, I'll bring things up that we've talked about that she'll say she has no idea that she's never heard of. I think that I like to do use this, this analogy is like my wife used to work with developmentally disabled adults and she would go and she, she would like go to their work to like autistic adults. She would work for this company that helped them get jobs and she would go to like Safeway and help them stock shelves and like then talk to their manager and like figure out what they could do to help them get better at their job. So she'd get all this uh, progress with them and then she'd come back the next week and they would be right back in the same place that they were or further down the road, the wrong direction, like they'd reverted. And it's because, you know, they just go back to their families and their, their normal life and uh, forget about everything. So I got, I've got an hour and a half a week with her. And then she just goes back and she would watch CNN or she'd be with friends that she couldn't speak about this with. And she's just in a, in a bubble. I'm in a bubble too, but she's in a bubble where she can't where she was, she wasn't doing any investigating on her own. She wasn't looking into anything past what we'd talked about. And I just kind of realized that like, if I'm talking to her about the Nephilim or Atlantis, it's not really helping her to realize that, you know, Joe Biden wants her dead. Yeah. So it's become, uh, <laughs> it's become a lot more serious and, you know, given that the whole pandemic inspired your podcast. I think, you know, you saw, saw that coming in a lot of ways, but I'm happy to hear you're, you're shifting things up and diversifying the amount of shows you're doing. I mean, homesteading with your wife, that's exciting. That's exciting. And, uh, and then the conspiracy podcast with your friend, let's get into that a little bit more. Are you planning on reserving the Atlantis Tartaria type conversations for that show? Yeah. And, but I know uh, Deborah really likes that kind of stuff and she likes cryptid stuff. So she said every once in a while, she'd like to come on for that too. So, but yeah, I met my friend uh, Paul through someone like the, they're homesteaders from, from Northern Washington. And we met on uh, one of Monica Perez's like Patreon party things. And we just kind of like hit it off there with, I hit it off with him and his wife and we started communicating. And then my wife and I went on a big road trip when we sold our old house, we got out of town when it went on the market and we stopped at their homestead as one of our places that we camped out and met them in real life. And we've become like uh, really good friends since then. And he's just, we view the world kind of the same way. They're like big freedom and liberty people and they, uh, they don't shy away from the conspiracy stuff like I do, but I like it because they don't take a stance on anything. They're kind of like me where they just say, I, I don't, I don't know anything. But at the same time, I don't believe anything too. So we're going to uh, get into a bunch bunch of different stuff and kind of just do what Deborah and I did and uh, get a lot of guests and then hopefully do a lot of roundtable shows with uh, smaller level podcasts like ours. I'm, uh, I'm down this Tartaria rabbit hole real big right now. And I really want to get into that. And there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of podcasts that aren't that well known with guys that are doing a lot of really great research. So I'm trying to organize a big round table right now. You're welcome to come on too when I get it going. Thank you so much. Yeah, right on. Let's get into that a little further. What what sources, you know, do you have in that realm of Tartaria because I find it fascinating 
how quickly you know it's really taken off as a whole subject you know three or four years ago i don't most people weren't aware of it although obviously this guy wow i'm thinking of velikovsky but that's a totally flamenco. different per- flamenco thank you anatoly flamenco you know he he's been doing this type of research for a long time but it seems relatively recent that Tartaria has come into the forefront of this, you know, conspiracy media, free thinking podcast space. What are your thoughts on, on Tartaria? And, and do you have some sources that you trust the most? Um, I like to look at it through the region that I live in. So it's pretty cool because you can go and, you know, anybody can drive an hour from where they are and, and find stuff that doesn't make sense that can be related to it. So I'm looking at it through, I live in Oregon now, but I spent most of my adult life in uh, San Francisco and Oakland, California. So my friend Casey runs this this Instagram page called Golden Gate Starfort Command. And he's uh, putting out YouTube videos and stuff too. So I trust him a lot. He's going super duper deep. And then I'm really, uh, that Michelle Gibson show on, uh, tinfoil hat recently i'd never heard of her before so i've just found her youtube page it was crazy it was hard to find her youtube page i typed in her name and it took me like a good 10 minutes for it to come up i'm really interested in lewis and clark what they found are you it's weird i i went i grew up in uh, oregon so like lewis and clark is a big deal is that something they teach in like elementary school history classes where you're from yeah, absolutely. We learned about Lewis and Clark. I, I can't speak for the rest of my classmates on how much was retained, but I definitely enjoyed history. So I remembered that portion. What have you learned specifically about Tartaria as it pertains to their journey through the West? I have not. I've been I've been searching for it. And I can't find anybody that's really gone that deep into it, but it's just, I like to be able to think like if, so I live in a, on a little unincorporated island in between Portland and the coast. It's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And apparently they stayed on this little area and they named it. I don't want to name it on there because my wife doesn't want me to tell people where we live. Yeah, they named the town that I live in. It's like this little weird unincorporated. There's not even a store where I live. So, and then I think, I can't remember, I think it was it Meriwether Lewis that killed himself on his porch. That, that's the story. He shot himself in his stomach, died. He was like an alcoholic. But what I've heard is that, you know, they came, they came to the West and what did they see when they got here? You know, and is that why maybe he was, he was suicided? Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I had not known about that aspect of their journey that he he died in that way. But yeah, absolutely. That's totally true for my experience in the past few months, you know, even down to you meeting this this new friend. I mean, I've had so many connections that have come about through podcasting that have set me on this own my own journey of discovery. I, I can't say that it's focused too much on Tartaria mostly because you know here in New England history is is pretty you know 400 years of of people stomping around there's there's a lot less evidence for that besides maybe the the buildings the large buildings 
yeah uh, but you know that as far as open space is concerned i mean yeah totally out there in oregon washington california i'm sure there's certain things that have just been you know on waiting to be uncovered in the remote reaches of the forests and mountains so have you gone on any particular hikes or seen anything that seems out of place you know since going out and, and changing where you live no i haven't been doing much much around where i live right now but i went to um we went on a big road trip throughout idaho and montana and in missoula montana it's like a it's like a small town in western montana you know it's where university of montana is so it's like you can tell it's getting gentrified a little bit but it was uh awesome because they didn't they may, I don't know if they have laws on the books or something that says they have to keep their old buildings there, but there was just a ton of brick, brick buildings there, Masonic imagery and buried windows, all that stuff out there. And um, it's really cool because all that stuff's in plain sight. And once, once you start thinking about it and seeing it, you can't, you can't unsee it. And if you go out to all these, these little rural towns, there's brick buildings that are way too big for, for when they were built in that little town and and, they, and nothing makes sense anymore. So, yeah. But as far as like exploring around here, I've, I've walked around my property a little bit. It's a, it's big, you know, it's 15 acres. So there's, I haven't found anything out here, but I'm sure there, I'm sure there is. And then I'm sure there's a bunch of cryptid stuff going on where I live as well. So. That's so, you know, for the listeners of the show, they might be already, you know, kind of aware of this, what I'm about to say, but the fact that you're mentioning, mentioning Missoula, uh, Montana is so synchronistic. I just had a guest on the show who his podcast is very new. He's just sort of getting into this realm and he's from Missoula, Montana. Oh, cool. <laughs> And, you know, he's not a Tartaria guy per se. I, I don't think we talked about that at all, actually, in our conversation. But he's found a lot of strange things about Missoula, Montana that now. Is it uh, William Skink? Yeah, yeah. You're familiar with William Skink. Yeah, Trevor is uh, his real name, but you're Travis. Yeah, we, Travis we, is... we talk all the time. When we, it was funny, when we were in Missoula, we went to a, we stayed at a Motel 6. We'd been camping, you know, and we just kind of wanted to like reset and take a shower. And we had our three dogs with us and Motel 6 usually doesn't really care if you have dogs. So I was just like, all right, let's just stay at this Motel 6. And it was this just gnarly tweaker Motel 6 that people were living in. And we got to our room and it was really, really dirty. And I took a shower. I was like, all right, well, let's just deal with it. And then we like, I got in the shower, took a shower, laid down in the bed, was just sitting there watching some TV. And I felt like this weird lump in the, in the, underneath the sheets, I guess up against the mattress. And I like went down, was looking, and it was underneath the fitted sheet. So I lifted it up and it was like a tampon applicator underneath the sheets. So <laughs> My wife took a picture of it, like ran down to the, to the front office and was like, Hey, you guys want to see something? And like showed it to them. And they were like, Oh, that's, that's pretty gross. And they got to say another room. And then I can't remember how Travis found out about it, but he, uh, we talked, I talked to him about it and we went down there and 
or he went down there and like tried to talk to the manager and stuff and see what was going on. It's pretty, pretty funny. They kicked him out and, and threatened to call the cops on him. Well, yeah, I imagine so, given what he's, you know, his specialty, if you want to call it that, is, you know, get, working with homeless and the drug situation down there in Missoula. Yeah. And then you end up at that hotel. Interesting. So aside from the, the strange buildings, I mean, did you see anything, anything else in Missoula that stood out? I didn't get a chance to check all that much stuff out, but my friend was just there on his honeymoon. And he, he sent me a bunch of pictures of, of like the brick courthouse and they all have, it's all Masonic, you know, it's all Freemason plaques and, and imagery. And another, another big theory that I like that I kind of subscribe to is that Western expansion was delayed because there was still stuff out here that needed, you know, they needed to get rid of. So freemasonry and mormonism are really really close closely you know related a lot of people say that people that grew up mormon and then look at what like a freemason ceremony is like they're like it's exactly the same as like a a masonic temple ceremony and so a lot of people think that that Mormons, like how the Mormons came out to Salt Lake City, Mormons were sent to the West. There's tons of Mormons in Utah, Idaho. There's a lot in Oregon as well, Nevada, that they were sent out here. And they were the ones who were, who were put in charge of getting rid of all the evidence of all the prior civilization that was still here. It's a lot of speculation when you get into this Tartaria world. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating though, and I, I could see the the resemblance between Mormonism and Masonry in buildings and in the way they dress in a lot of ways, and even some of the, you know, legends that Joseph Smith brought back from these, you know, golden tablets. They just ring true to this kind of same playbook that seems to be revisited over and over again it's something that benjamin balderson and i also just talked about where you know this heathen cosmology was destroyed by the roman catholic church and then you know you see all of these sort of similarities in the myths and legends and you know christian tales and all this stuff in the heathen cosmology according to this guy this, this all came first is this something you're you're familiar with the uh, you know hidden cosmology the hidden history is that something that you connect to tartaria or do you think it's separate i have not looked at cosmology is is one that's uh it's tough for me to get into just because i have i don't have a, a history with anything like that i've listened to that guy benjamin balderson i like him i've heard him on uh crow and i'll check him out on your show too i think he's an I think he lives in Oregon too, but yeah, I can't, I don't know. What does, does, what do you, how do you relate it back to, to uh, Tartaria and, and yeah. How do you do that, Mark? Well, I would say, you know, with the Roman Catholic church, there's very clear evidence that they've gone through and changed civilizations, whether it's in South America, North America, Europe, 
Africa, Asia, you know, all over the world, we see the Catholic Church. And not saying that, you know, in defense of anybody, but I'm just wondering, you know, what makes the Freemasons different, you know, and not even to to challenge you, because I myself am in that same position of like, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to figure this all out too myself, you know. So I'm wondering, you know, is there anything that stands out in the Tartaria theory that you've seen that adds to this like claim that, you know, there's these civilization resetters, so to speak, or these like, you know, active rewriters or any groups that you can point the finger at or other than the Freemasons? Because there's a lot of groups within Freemasonry. Yeah, it's pretty, it's like, and that's like the whole Tartaria thing. It's just a, it's like a, a blanket statement you know there's so much involved and yeah i think the the catholic church is definitely you know responsible for the the changing of the civil of civilization the vatican mostly for the you know for the worse and i don't understand like the sky clock or anything like that well enough to be able to speak on it but yeah i believe all that stuff right yeah, I, I find it fascinating, too. I'm wondering if, you know, given what's going on, obviously that's motivated your decision to go into a homestead situation. Is there anything else that you like about being out there other than, you know, just avoiding the, the rest of the world? Because I'm starting to feel uh, a bit froggy over here in the normal world. Yeah, so you're you're in Connecticut, right? Are you in the city? No, but close enough to a city, not close yeah. enough to like a rural area, really, where we're at. Yeah, we lived in, we, we, so we moved up from, we were living in San Francisco proper. You know, we couldn't take California anymore. And, you know, I had a good job, I was making a ton of money. And it's just like, I'm never even going to be able to buy a house here, even if I wanted to move, you know, someplace a couple hours away from where I, where I work, you know, which I didn't want to do. I worked mostly in San Francisco. And uh, so I was like, all right. So I grew up in uh, Portland till I was about 15. I came up here to visit in like the spring of 2017. I was like, wow, it's really nice here. You know, I just started messing around looking at real estate prices. Like, oh, I think I could, we could do that. So a couple months later, I moved up, bought a house and, you know, just right over the border from Portland in this little working class kind of suburb, but it was just kind of an extension of Southeast Portland. And then, uh, you know, stuff really started kicking off with Antifa and all these right-wing groups, you know, just fighting downtown. It's like, I don't want, I don't want any part of this. Portland's kind of just, it never was a cool city. Like it's kind of just a boring city anyway. It's really, really beautiful place. And it was probably really awesome to be like in your twenties in the mid nineties there when it was still weird here, but it's kind of like that whole Austin, Texas thing. It's just, it's all homogenized and not really very cool anymore nobody nobody that lives there is like really from there and so you know throughout all this COVID stuff it's just it's bonkers there you know it's there's you can't you know most most people talk about like oh they're not really enforcing stuff you know where I live it's it's the center of enforcement it's it's two masks and a face shield everywhere you go down there and then like downtown is just like it's all boarded up and and like a ghost town. The only people that are down there are like homeless people wearing two masks and the people who work at Starbucks. And it's just like, you know, I could probably, we should probably get out of here while we can. The real estate community or uh, the real estate scene here is, is 
was going nuts. I was like, I think we could make a bunch of money on our house. And, you know, we found this like broken down old farmhouse on 15 acres, like out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we sold our house and, and we're lucky enough to get it. So we ended up out here, you know, we were raising chickens in, in our old place. I raised, I did, we have, we had like seven laying chickens or up to eight. And when we were over there, we got, we had a dozen, we had 12 here, but my dog just killed one the other day. So we're down to 11. And yeah, I mean, the goal for me is to opt out of, out of, you know, society as much as possible and, and be able to take care of ourselves out here. And, you know, it's still, we're still pretty far away from that. You know, I'm having to commute and go into work still in the city and we kind of moved here at a weird time of year. So we got to do some work on the house. And then in the springtime, we're going to work on uh, planting and growing food and, and doing all that. The goal is, you know, eventually my wife owns her own business is to have her make enough money and have me be able to stay out here and hopefully have some bunch of animals and livestock and uh, hopefully some kids, kids running around that I can just uh, take care of and homeschool and, you know, do that whole deal. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and yeah. Benjamin, who's just on the show, was was talking all about that. I'm sure, you know, he's into that whole world. And and I myself worked on a farm last summer. It was a great escape from the bullshit that was going on here in Connecticut. Very much the same atmosphere as Portland and a lot of our cities. So my heart goes out to you over in there, man. And I'm proud to hear that you guys have made that leap it's awesome and i'm sure your podcast is gonna well your three new podcasts are gonna take off now i mean homesteading in general i think there's a lot of lessons there that can be learned and then shared with others who are looking to make that jump themselves you know i i think uh it's really inspiring. Do you think that getting away and kind of unplugging from the matrix is going to, you know, change the direction of, you know, what you talk about on your podcast? As far as uh, the conspiracy stuff goes? Sure. Let's see. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think the less, the less time I spend in town, I think the, the happier and more, more hopeful I am for society. You know what I mean? So it's just so weird, Mark, you take like, you get down in the dumps and you take enough black pills that it eventually, for me, I was so just despondent and bummed out about the way that it was going that I, that I had to come to this realization that nobody's coming to help. And just this, that surrender made me extremely kind of hopeful for the future. Like there's, there's a way that I can, you know, I've got to be able to go do this on my own. There's a way there could be possibly a way out. And if it, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I I have, you know, faith in something other than myself, that things are going to be okay. And that's the way I got to live. Otherwise, you know, what's the, what's the point of even being here? I'm hopeful. And I think, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a lucky situation that a lot of people haven't gotten into yet. I was able to, you know, have enough money to, to get out of town and, and do this thing for myself. It's still going to be a, a ton of work, but, you know, it's just, I think that once you come to that feeling of, of, surrender that you're able i don't know for me it was able to make me feel better about the future does that make sense at all 
Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, getting that opportunity is something that I'm looking for myself, you know, obviously getting older, looking for uh, my own place to live, not renting for the next 20 years of my life, hopefully. So that's the, uh, yeah, that's the inspiration I'm taking from you right now. So yeah, that makes sense for sure. I think, you know, it, it can be scary to take on a new venture in life, but think about it. You're going to be doing something that's going to be giving back to your natural bio rhythm, getting back to the natural harmony, you know, being in touch with your land, being in touch with the animals on your land, being in touch with the plants on your land, and then teaching your children that may come soon or whenever they come, but God bless, you know, teaching them about all those gifts that nature has to offer. So yeah, man, I think there's a lot to be excited for, but obviously that's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of patience, time, of course, the secret ingredient. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next. So tell us about the, uh, the homesteading podcast. What's the name of it? So folks can look forward to that. Well, I'm going to put everything out under just, I don't, um, I'm not going to rebrand the podcast. I'm going to have like, uh, three, three podcasts under the same Deborah gets red pilled RSS feed. So yeah. Yeah. So it'll be like Deborah gets red pilled. Everybody that's already subscribed. will get all three downloaded. You know, they'll just all have like little sub names and maybe I'll I'll name each of them or number each of them under it'll say like Deborah gets red pilled episode 80 inside the brain of a boomer episode one, you know, something like that. But yeah, I want to do it with with my wife and we're both really busy with uh, work right now she just started a business in portland she's a esthetician and she's doing really really well she's super successful and she's just getting started so we haven't had a lot of time to really get the ball moving around out here moving was really really stress stressful for us we didn't have very much time between the time that our house closed and we had to be out and we had to be into the new place was it was rough but and then I've been working a ton of overtime lately so we haven't really got to do much we got the chicken coop up and going I got the chickens fenced off now that my my little pit bull got a little too rough with one of the chickens but yeah I don't don't know what what we should what we should name the the podcast if anybody has any suggestions let us know but we're just going to kind of go through a through the journey of of starting out and uh, I think we're going to maybe get some guests on and just other other friends that are doing stuff and I'd like to get people on that can show tell people how to do stuff at every level because I know not everybody can live out in the woods on 15 acres I know some people live in a in a tiny uh studio apartment or something like that and they can't uh I want them to be able to feel empowered to do as much as they can to be self-sufficient and you know living outside of of society as as much as they want to you know I kind of identify as an agorist which you know I prefer to operate in the gray and black markets and and I want to encourage people to do that as much as they can and just um not pay taxes as much as possible and, and do all, all the stuff that you can do and, and work with other people that are like-minded and develop communities. And there's tons of stuff you can do as far as growing food and, and, you know, 
out on your balcony or anything like that. I want to, I want to do it, show people that they can be successful on a variation of different, different levels, you know? Right on. Yeah. That's a noble cause. I agree for, for many, many reasons that I think a lot of people should be taking those steps themselves. So yeah, all the merrier, more the merrier with that sort of venture. Totally, man. Well, let's see, we've got so much red pills being given. Were there any red pills that you were like, oh, there's no way Deborah is going to disagree with this and it, it just didn't come through? Maybe some that were like foolproof. What were some of the notable red pills that you've had on the show so far? I mean, the first thing that I can think of is we had legal man on. I just, you ever listen to him? No, tell us. Legal man is, uh, he's, he's got like a, a podcast called the quash where he does these little 20 minute episodes and he just rips into mostly constitutional conservatives. But I mean, he came, I had to stop listening to him cause he's about as black pilled as it gets, but he came on the show and got, got Deborah to admit that, that democracy isn't valid, you know? <laughs> and it was really awesome to hear it was just so it, it's so easy to do to people you just ask them basic questions like you know hey you know if two people think that you should give them all their money all your money and they vote on it does that make it valid you know why is the state available allowed to do it you know you just it's it's so easy to do and you know you just tell people that you know hey gang rape most of the time is, is a democratic decision and so we got her to admit that democracy wasn't a valid form of, of government. And it was really awesome to hear her say that, but then, you know, reverted right back to, to where she is. And then if you guys go back, I just put out three, two pretty powerful episodes with her, episodes 73 and 74. And uh, one was with Klaus Schwab Jr., and then in the intro to that episode, she just made some some statements that like really bummed out the listeners and like she's talking about vaccinations and stuff like that. And then I did a one on one show with her episode 74. And it was it was rough because that's the one where I realized that I needed to change up the show because it just seemed like all the hard work that we'd done had had gone out the window and that it it was another situation of just surrender. Where I was like, oh, this is this has been a failing process. I need to just start talking to her about stuff, not any specific conspiracy in general, because it's not helping her out. But you know, she's um she has her her faith in the mainstream media isn't what it used to be, but she still consumes it. She used to love Don Lemon. She doesn't like him now. So that's, you know, just little red pills like that. But it's it's the thing that amazes me that's so weird to me. And it's probably, you know, happens to you when you talk with your family who thinks you're crazy, is that I always have like four different things going. I look at one topic or one thing that's going on in the news and I'm able to be like, okay, they're telling me this. Why are they telling me this? It's and then I'll have like four different reasons that could possibly happen. And she's just been so programmed since you know her childhood in the 50s that 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 appeal to authority is so strong and it i don't think it it can ever leave 
people that are our parents. I mean, my parents, I'm older than you. So my parents are in their seventies, um, almost eighties. And it's just, it's there, you know, it's, you know, white lab coats means I need to listen to them. You know, if they're in the government, they're smart, you know, science, trust the science, just it's, that's what I kind of want to get into in these one-on-one conversations with her. Right. Do you think there, there is like a, a way to, to go about this methodically, or do you think it just is case by case? Cause I mean, you, like you said, you know, my family, thinks I'm crazy. And and I have, you know, grandparents who are around that age. And then, you know, my mother's parents are far older. So I've kind of seen uh, a different experience from both of those groups of people, just because of the difference in ages, there's some differences, but with my, you know, father's parents who are in their sixties and seventies, it's, it's definitely, it reminds me of, of your conversations with Deborah sometimes, you know, and not to say that they're liberal, but they, they definitely have that really uh, appeal to authority mindset that, you know, is something that, you know, I don't know. I mean, how do you, how do you get that type of thinking uh, out of a person? It's like, you can't, if they're already respecting authority, then you can't, you know, be, imposing yourself as an authority because you know that's just trying to do the same thing that they've already successfully done yeah i don't think it's possible mark that's what i've come to realize and that's why i'm changing the show i don't think i don't think that can be worked out of them for some you know i think uh just these people that were born you know into this post-world war ii era they were born into this whole idea of american exceptionalism they were traumatized from an early age with stuff they saw on TV, which was JFK and then shown the moon landing and then the summer of love, which installed in them this, this feeling of, you know, I'm a, I'm a moral, I'm morally better than most people. Then, you know, they were able to hold on to that. Like, Oh, we're, you know, Democrats, we just want to help help those less fortunate and they held on to this feeling of of moral superiority through the 80s when they became yuppies and it's just you know it's just so crazy and then you know it's crazy my dad was like a you know a reagan republican in the 80s and uh he went on to i think had full-on trump derangement syndrome which i i don't think you know i'm not a, a trump guy either but it's just i don't have trump derangement syndrome but it's just so crazy how, how it all worked on them. And it's, it's, it's so hard to, you know, that's the one thing I've realized in this, you know, year and a little bit that I've been doing the podcast is that I, I know, I feel like I know less than I did when I started because I can't explain a lot of stuff that's going on. I don't know who's pulling the strings and, and if it's, if it's, if stuff's, on purpose or if it's just the way that it worked out you know i can't I, it's it's so hard and then it gets frustrating with her we had uh we had this libertarian guy on last weekend and uh, it's pretty cool we get to go on his show on sunday and you know like he asked he he's kind of a right-wing libertarian guy and he just wanted he was so intrigued that that she was like open to having a conversation which is actually really really impressive about her you know, like her ideas are being attacked on a weekly basis and she's not fighting back or getting defensive most of the time, but she'll just say things like, 
in the same sentence talk about like he asked her what the most important thing politically to her was and she'll say something like oh well it's freedom and then she'll in the same sentence say something about how we need more gun control it's so crazy and i just want to like you know there's that's kind of the conversations that i want to have with her going forward is like maybe freedom means different things to different people and to some people freedom means a whole bunch of like social welfare programs whereas to me it means no politicians and and no regulations and no laws you know so those are the kind of stuff i want to talk about and i have to work on being able to have those conversations with people and not get like defensive or confrontational about it yeah yeah i i feel you there i think being confrontational is sort of like you know must have sometimes in new england it feels like but yeah i i totally have come to realize that same thing it's it's not about really it, it's you know and you're right deborah is a rare case because a lot of the times people just shut down so that forces you to you know either feel like you're crazy or you know just choose not to talk with that person i think that aids in this you know psychological process that creates this situation we're in i can suggest maybe to you if you haven't heard of them before go back and listen to episode 18 and listeners please do this as well episode 18 i think or 17 of my podcast where we talked to chris milligan from uh trine day yeah talk to us about this sort of generational archetype that goes on where every four generations is sort of like a cycle and I forget the exact, you know, terms he used, but it was something to the effect of like proactive, reactive, you know, introspective and then retrospective or something like that, you know. So it's like four stages. And when you consider that that type of sociological science is is been known about for possibly hundreds of years, to me, in my mind, that adds to the understanding of how something like the events that you laid out what happened to the boomer generation i can see how they would have been able to kind of go back to the playbook and lay that thing out in such a way and i think the advent of drugs really pushed the whole agenda towards that because that had the best results the fastest results i think drugs were a huge part of you know that whole indoctrination campaign you mean recreational drugs or pharmaceutical drugs or both i would say both to to different degrees i mean people who know i'm a big fan of cannabis so i don't really want to lump that in there with the term recreational drug but i think you know that's a subjective term some people might hear recreational drug and think like cocaine which that's not what i would consider recreational you know so yeah or nor would i do it at all but yeah, I think there's definitely soft drugs and hard drugs. It's yeah. in our food. It's in our, you know, water supply. It's in the air. I mean, you've had Matt Landman on the show. He's talked to you about the aluminum, the barium, all these things that are in the air. So there are toxins, whether in the form of drugs, whether in the form of, you know, additives that have been in our environment for the past, you know, however long we want to say the industrial revolution was and then to connect it back to the tartaria thing it would make a lot of sense 
that they didn't have that type of technology. This isn't the the epitome of technology. Look at all the destruction and chaos it's causing. So maybe there is something in the past that was more enlightened, more connected. So yeah, the Tartarians probably didn't have fluorinated toothpaste. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, I can't not bring that topic of drugs up because I think sort of like the, the key part of this whole campaign against us depopulation campaign if we want to go that far it might have sounded extreme three years ago but now it's like wow okay you know guys like me and you really understand what's going on we can see how those georgia guidestones are 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 probably you know more correct than we were led to believe 10 years ago so you know it's it's just in my mind it's a combination of things, but I'm wondering it, you know, do you think that we're heading towards a major shift in society because of this sort of arc that you describe? I mean, with the boomers and what happened to them with the traumatization on the TV, the summer of love, the shift towards being corporate yuppies. I mean, I love it. I'm with you. I have totally thought about this for many years and I'm wondering, you know, is that why you went to the homestead to get, you know, apocalypse is coming, you know, we gotta, we, we gotta get yeah. our boat and, and head for yeah. high ground. I mean, for sure, man. Like, um, I don't want, you know, you know, you see what's going on on the news in downtown Portland. And it's like, you know, that could all be, that's all blown up too. That's like, a, like three city blocks down there, but I don't want anybody to be able to walk to my house. And I achieved that, you know, but I got, yeah, I wanted to get out of town. I wanted to be able to do my own thing, but I don't, I don't have any reservations to know that if, if they wanted to, if, if, if they don't want people like me out here doing our own thing, it's pretty easy to get rid of us. My first couple nights that we moved here, there's a, there's like a pretty nice fifth wheel that was included with our house. And we didn't have, the house was really dirty when we moved in. So we were staying out in this fifth wheel. And like the first three nights that I lived here, like, right, it was, it was hot. It was like 110 when we first moved here. And like, right at like 6 PM for the first three nights that we're here, these giant flat black Apache, not Apache, Chinook helicopters, two, two at a time flew over my house. And he's just like, man, they could. I don't know what this is all about. I haven't seen them since, but I mean, it's so, it would be so easy for them to just, to just wipe my house off, off the face of the earth, you know, and just say like, Oh, he, he, you know, he was a domestic terrorist. And so I'm just going to enjoy it for as long as I can. I do think there's a a giant, giant change coming. I think that, that there's going to be, you know, people that want to live in the cities and want to trade everything they have for a sense of, of safety and, and wear masks and, and get vaccinations and, and do all sorts of stuff. And I don't, you know, I, I definitely think there's something weird going on with vaccinations. I think a large, large amount of people got placebos and got saline shot into them. And I think a whole bunch of people didn't. And I don't know, I can't, you know, I, it's, it's just so crazy to think like, why, why is this push happening and you know i think i think it's just 
there's so many different things going on at once and it's, it's impossible for us to think of it. But I know that, that there's a large amount of people like me that want to get out. And I think there's an even larger amount of uh, people that, that want to stay in. So what do you think is going on? I think it's a lot of what you said mixed with, you know, this whole push towards transhumanism, sorry, this push towards transhumanism and, you know, the smart cities being the aggregator for people, you know, and I'm pretty sure the Agenda 21 has it that the, you know, natural spaces, wild national parks will be expanded as much as possible getting everybody out of rural areas so that it's just big ag and the military doing whatever they want with the land and people relegated to cities i really think that that's the strategy whether or not that's going to be the outcome i mean i'd rather be in your position to see it happen than be you know my position where i'm in what i've called the megalopolis you know being in between new york city and boston it's pretty much like you know a network of of cities and and small small communities sort of on the outskirts but we gotta get up there to new hampshire man yeah and you know new york has huge pockets of land in the upstate area vermont's huge maine's huge so i'm not too worried we could always jet up to maine but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely don't know. I, I'm in this a similar position with you, where I'm definitely interested in talking about it and figuring it out and adding whatever I can to the conversation for folks who might be in this position, just listening and and like you said, you know, wanting to inspire people to do something differently. I hope to you know inspire people with the title of my show, like oh my family thinks I'm crazy, but. Like, look at what we've done, you know, despite that. <laughs> and and you can bring that same sense of, of pride and achievement for what you've done into your life, even though you might be going against the grain or doing something that your family doesn't think is going to work out or whatever your situation is. I get people that message all the time and say, love what you're doing. You know, my family thinks I'm crazy too, you know, and, and that's, that's why you know, that when the name hit me, I, I stuck with it, you know, and yeah. I think, you know, you're in this very similar position with Deborah gets red pilled. So I, I would not, yeah, I would want to see that show format change too much. I hope Deborah, you know, keeps that really cool, open-minded attitude that she has, but you know, I, I will say, man, I think, you know, given all the time and energy you're going to be putting into the property you have, you know, it's like, you got to focus on yourself more than you can focus on your family when it comes to like how we see the world, you know, you can only really control yourself at the end of the day. Not that your goal was to control, but that's very clearly the goal of, of the forces that are maybe pushing her in the other way. So I don't know. I, I would just say maybe don't underestimate how, how, powerful stepping back a little bit could be you know with this shift and this transition that you've decided to take maybe you withdrawing a bit and taking the pressure off will will bring some some leeway that you didn't expect and then deborah will you know start to push the conversation uh a little further than you you thought she could so 
yeah, man, I'm excited to see what happens next for you, dude. It's been a pleasure talking to you and, and I wish you all the best you and your, your lady and your property and all the animals you said you have. And wow, man, I'm excited. So with yeah, that, too, man. folks, Go support Deborah Gets Red Pilled. You know where to subscribe. Adam, if they don't, tell them where they can find you. Anywhere podcasts are found and we're on YouTube. So hit us up, send us emails. Deborah Gets Red Pilled at protonmail.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, as soon as I get this conspiracy show up and running again, Mark, I'd love to have you on real soon. And I'll, I'll be in contact with you about getting a bunch of people together to do a fun big zoom round table about uh tartaria i was going to try to get like andreas exertus on it but he's not returning my 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 inquiries so we'll see we'll see who i can get and who wants to do it and it'll be it'll be a fun time right on yeah i've heard he's been very 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 busy lately so shout out to you exertus and yeah best of luck i hope i can help you out with that tartaria swap cast and and yeah even participate i'd totally be down for that so Folks, stay tuned for that. And thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with two episodes each week and so much bonus content. You can't even keep track of it. We're all over the place. Go to the website, myfamilythinksomecrazy.com, and that's where you find all the links. Peace. Hey guys, welcome to Deborah Gets Red Pilled. I think this is episode 17, Saturday morning. What is it? Ni- the 19th of December, 2020. So this week we're going to be talking to Mark Steves. And is that, is that uh, what you like to go by, Mark Steves? Yeah, from the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. I also work with uh, Sam on Tinfoil Hat. Yeah, you book all his, all his guests and stuff for him, right? Cool. How'd you, how'd you end up hooking up with Sam? Well, just as a fan of his podcast for three or four years now, 2019, I went to two of his shows. And the second time I saw him after the show and I gave him this bag that I made, it's made out of electromagnetic frequency blocking fabric. Uh, I learned about it from a guy named Matt Landman. You should definitely look into him, frankenskies.org. But I was inspired to make this bag, right? And I'm like, I got to give this to Sam. Sam's, you know, doing all this crazy stuff on his podcast. He needs a way to be off the grid, you know? So I gave him the bag. The bag basically is for your phone. You put it inside and your phone is on airplane mode, so to speak. But not only that, but it blocks any negative frequencies coming from your phone that might affect you while you're sleeping and whatnot. So I gave him that. He was kind of like, whoa, this is, what is it? What kind of magic is this? And that yeah. led to us being, you know, him inviting me to be a guest on his podcast, which I was brought back a couple times. And then by like the fourth time, he's like, hey, you know, you 
have such good recall on all these people, or at least that's what I think he felt. And then he asked me to do this job and I'm happy to do it. But yeah, it's kind of gave me an opportunity to be on more podcasts like this one. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Deborah gets red pilled is it's kind of like similar to what my theme of my podcast is. My family thinks I'm crazy, except they don't want to be on my podcast. So yeah. you're, you know, you're, that's awesome, Deborah. I'm yeah. glad you're here. All for Adam. I can't get my, my biological family to come on. I wouldn't even ask them, but <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been a fan of Sam and tinfoil hat since, since, you know, episode one. And I was at the, I was at the original tinfoil hat comedy night at Cobbs in San Francisco, the first one that he did outside of LA in the spring of 2018. Cool. So since then, I've been to, I live in up by Portland now. So I've been to one in Portland. I've been to one in Tacoma. And then I've seen him just do comedy in Portland kind of right when the lockdown ended, when they were kind of letting people still do. When they were, I went and saw him, there was like 12 people at Helium in Portland. But he still killed it. And, you know, I saw some other people in the same setting that were absolutely awful that couldn't adapt to, like, just being in a tiny room. And, like, it was like he was doing doing stand-up in, in your living room. And he, if you know anything about Sam, you know that he could totally, totally do that for people. So, Yeah, yeah. I was um, really grateful for the opportunity to go with him to his show in Philadelphia this past month and kind of see things from behind the scenes. But yeah, I'm a huge comedy fan. I love the show Kill Tony and... Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're you're really out there with the, you know, opportunity to see it all here in Connecticut. I mean, we have one comedy club and it sucks, but at least I'm close enough to go to New York City, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Let's see what else we're we going to talk about. So, I guess recent most recently people probably know like if people listen to Tinfoil Hat, they know you had a couple contentious episodes with Sam which were I thought were amazing episodes. I thought you ended up on the on the right side of the argument. Yeah, one one episode. I mean, if you count the Patreon we did afterwards, the kind of clear things up. But yeah, the last twenty minutes was like a little bit of an argument. And you know, if, if people don't know, that episode was about Aleister Crowley, who you know is a very prominent, good or bad figure in spiritual history you know whether you take him for the evil that he put out in the world or you take him for the good he put out in the world you know doesn't negate the fact that he's a prominent figure in history and I think when I made that point less eloquently Sam kind of jumped on it and and was you know how he always is he's very authentic he's very real and he's quick to call somebody out if he thinks that they're you know, saying something that they, they previous, you know, he thought I was being a hypocrite basically. And gotcha. uh, when I explained it further, like, no, we can't throw, you know, all of this occult stuff out of the way just because some people chose to do bad stuff with it. You know, it's like the second amendment gives people the right to protect themselves. And it also unfortunately gives people the ability to kill other people but you yeah. know, that doesn't mean that we should never you know have the second amendment or have guns you know yeah so, yeah yeah i'm so, happy to get into that topic of alistair crowley I, a lot of people do get a little weary sometimes because they think maybe you're trying to like 
support uh, a dead guy, which I don't really know how that's possible. He's dead. There's nothing really for him to gain by <laughs> us talking about him. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting things to be said. And he's put a lot of material out there that could be used to, to develop and facilitate higher consciousness. And I think that's what's important is that a lot of conspiracy leads to spirituality and a lot of spirituality leads to conspiracy. That's a point Alex Sakaris made when he was on tinfoil hat. And I love it because it's true. And the, the, what I get from that is that the biggest conspiracy of them all is that they're trying to get us to forget our true selves. And by yeah. that, I mean our true selves being the soul that, you know, inhabits this physical vessel in this physical dimension. Do you feel that they're trying to do that through the whole like scientism movement and getting rid of, you know, religion and spirituality in that, in that sense? Well, I wouldn't say it's, you know, scientism is a new religion because religion, you know, it functioned as a middleman between you and God or you and your higher self. And and now that they have all this fancy technology inventions, you know, that they can wave around and impress people with and the rituals and the smoke and mirrors aren't as impressive anymore. So now it's just a new form of faith. You know, I mean, ultimately when you're talking about certain aspects of science, you have to take them on faith, right? Because you can't experiment, uh, and do an experiment in outer space. You just can't, you know, and replicate it. I mean, unless you can get out there with your physical body in a, you know, in a spaceship and do, you know, so there are certain realms of science that can never be experimented on with the scientific method. Therefore, you're, you know, have to believe in something in essence. I, I think that that's what it comes down to is a lot of people have this scientism ism because they just put their faith in this authority that tells them that, oh yeah, the big bang created everything. And it was just a happy accident that now, you know, these little tadpoles that were swimming around in ancient pools of soup of, you know, raw, you know, human life created from that, you know, just spawned consciousness from this like randomness, you know, they want you to take that on faith. They want you to just believe that. So, you know, that's like maybe the biggest part of it is there's a creator, right? Or there's a big bang theory that seems to be the juxtaposition they've created and it goes further and further on. I think the medical industry is built up on a lot of these kind of hoaxes of, of belief in, in science. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what it is, though, is what you said, Adam, is they are trying to kind of separate you from, from that by, I, I don't know. I mean, when you live your life thinking that everything is material, it limits you. And I yeah. think that's, that's the limitation they want on us. Who is the Pope of scientism? The Pope Neil of scientism. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> no, I think that, I think that it's more, 
it's more like a parade that gets going right and all these people are you know not one person is leading the parade right there's a group of people leading the parade and as time goes on different people take that lead but the point is the parade has big banners and they say this is science this is science and any other parade is not science so if you don't get along on this parade and reach the goal we're heading to and go down this path with our destination in mind, then you're not on it. And I yeah. think that's really what they did with religion. That's what they do. That's what authority always does. It creates this social hierarchy of wanting to kind of follow the herd, follow the crowd. And, and what it does is it separates really genius thinkers like Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein to some degree. And, other people like that, Isaac Asimov more recently was, I would say, pretty prof prophetic. But, you know, there's always these renegades, right? And what's different about them? They don't follow the herd. They don't follow the parade. So I think that it's not really like one person or one group of people. It's the fact that they set the wheels in motion to kind of head down this one path with this limited outcome set, right? What's the limited outcome set? It's, it's science that's dependent on materialism. And why is that important? Because it's limiting, right? So when you really get into, and I'm still, you know, an amateur on understanding this kind of stuff about Tesla and aether physics and, and all these things that can lead to maybe free energy or not, maybe not free energy, but just a, a more efficient way to use our technology. I think what happens there is it's always going to be associated with the spirit and the soul, because in order to understand that type of science, it has profound implications on our own spirituality, our own consciousness, right? So they don't want us to get into that kind of science because it goes hand in hand with the truth about our human, you know, essence, which is spiritual, which is multidimensional, which is from another place that isn't physical. And they can't keep us in this physical limited box whether they want it to be a globe or a flat plane, you know, whatever, you know, scheme they come up with, it's, it's limiting. And I think that the, the true direction of science is, is towards the spirit. And uh, the more they can curtail that away by motivating people with the carrots on the sticks, like, oh yeah, you know, this is going to lead us to AI and this is going to lead us to be able to use any, you know, any of these crap chemicals to just heal ourselves whenever, even though these crap chemicals have never healed anybody, barely. I mean, aspirin's probably the only success story out of big pharma's 200 year history. So, you know, I think that is the it's just they they give you a financial incentive as well you know but academia the financial institutions in cohesion kind of direct science away from spirit and i think that's that's the conspiracy that is not really a conspiracy it's just the the way society was directed yeah i got that hey deborah in your neighborhood do you, do people have those signs up that say like in this house, 
science matters. Believe in science. We believe in, we yeah, believe in we science. believe in science, and they have like a list of all the other yeah. stuff that counts. Like people yeah. aren't people aren't illegal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. What are your thoughts on that, Deborah? Do you think that there's room for like a scientific world where we're we're able to like make progress and use it for good? and also be able to be spiritual people, whether that be through Christianity or like some of the woo-woo stuff or, you know, your Murray County, like middle-aged woman crystal stuff. Do you think that <laughs> can go hand in hand with, with, um, with science? I don't know. It's something I've never considered at all that, you know, that there, there would be, a way for them to combine and work together. I just, I, it's never occurred to me because science is all academia and, and. Well, let me ask you a question and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, you probably know this better than I do. Do you know who came up with the big bang theory? No. God. No, I don't know. <laughs> I believe it was the first one to introduce it was a Jesuit priest at the Vatican. Is that correct? Yeah, huh. on it. So that's weird, huh? Why? It, yeah. So the Big Bang theory. Well, Mark, what do you think? Is there is there a place where you could believe in the Big Bang, and believe in believe in the Jesus story, the the creation, the, the Catholic Catholic? I think that's what they tried to get us to do because they realized, you know, they were going to run out of burning rods to kill all these astronomers with eventually, you know, they, <laughs> they killed Copernicus and Galileo and then they realized like, okay, you know, people are wising up to things that they didn't previously. So we need to change our gimmick up. We need to change our story up because as the middlemen between you and your higher self, they have to be prepared for the inevitable evolution that we're all going to go through. I think we're all bound to evolution, not in the Darwinian sense, but in the consciousness progression sense that throughout your life, it's inherently human to make mistakes and learn from them, right? I mean, we all grow and change for the better, hopefully, right? Unless there's some sort of negative reason someone wouldn't, some kind of emotional trauma or whatnot, psychological, whatever. But I tend to think that that's more society's fault and not the individual's fault. But yeah, I think that it's inevitable that everybody from birth to death goes through a process of change, right? And, and if you consider the overall progression of humanity, there is that same implication of change so the middlemen of humanity who control uh, you know the the barrier between us and our understanding of the world around us they need to push the ball forward as we kind of get the boundaries you know figured out more and more and as we grow you know they need to be one step ahead so i think that's really all that is with the whole big bang theory thing and the vatican being behind that i think that just shows how you know science was being pushed by spiritual people right so you had copernicus you had galileo people who were outside of the church who were divinely inspired right these men nikola tesla talked about this they would have prophetic dreams they would have communications with different i mean History is full of geniuses who had these experiences. I mean, 
old times, they would call them prophets, right? Jesus, Muhammad, Moses. These are people who had divine inspiration, right? But as time moved forward in the 16, 17, 1800s, people were still being divinely inspired, but the ball had been pushed forward. So they were being divinely inspired about, hey, how to build this little knickknack and how to, you know, do this uh, different way so that cities could have plumbing and we would all stop dying from diarrhea, you know, like, so these, like, things that used to be more like, oh, Jesus told everybody to, to love each other. Well, Tesla taught everybody how to power their houses because the ball had been pushed forward. You get what I'm saying? So, so the church and these people who try to stay one step ahead of controlling us, they push the ball forward. They see that the divine inspiration is moving forward. So they had to change it up and make scientism the new religion because there were people who were pushing that boundary. And now we still have people. I mean, the Resonance Foundation is Nassim Harriman, right? And Deborah, when you said that, you know, you, you never could have guessed that science and spirit would merge, what you brought to mind for me is consciousness, right? Because that's what it's all about. No matter what, you can't slice it any way other than consciousness, because at the end of the day, you only know your reality through consciousness. Any scientist doing an experiment is only experimenting through his own consciousness. So we can't separate ourselves from consciousness. I think inherently there is something powerful there. And, and no matter how much science you do, it's going to lead to understanding consciousness eventually. I'm just still floored by the answer who came up with the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> what? So, all right, this is all too much for me to take in. So I'm going to be asking some questions that you're yeah, going to we've, go, come we've on. Been hitting, uh, we've been hitting like COVID and geopolitical stuff real, real hard, Mark. So this is okay. like our first this step a, into here. So this is awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. So, all right. What would be the, I mean, there's an end game for whoever comes up with this theory and whoever promotes this theory, right? Of, of the big bang of evolution and the opposite side of that story or the contrast is creation, you know, the creation story, right? Am I, that, am I that could be, I mean, I think that it, that's very, it is complex to, to simplify it that way, I think doesn't do it justice, but I do see that you're on the right track there. I so think. how would you simplify it so I can understand it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, creationism, right, relies on what? Intelligent design. So you'd have to ask yourself. I mean, I think this is a personal question that everyone needs to ask themselves. Do you think that consciousness could have randomly occurred from the table of elements, the periodic table of elements alone, just through the way science says these ancient forms of matter interacted with each other. They're in a vacuum. They were dust particles that started moving, started moving until they turned into lights. You know, like this is, this is just as much of a religion as any other religion. 
when you get down to what they're actually talking about in the Big Bang Theory. There's just as much faith required to believe that as anything Uh else. So, you know, me, when I ask myself, do I think that there was an intelligent creator? I say yes, because there's too many coincidences for it to be all happenstance and random chance, you know? So just the fact that we have something called the golden ratio or the Fibonacci sequence in Mm -hmm. nature is Mm -hmm. something that creationists often look at and say, well, this is proof of intelligent design, right? I don't go too far into the Christian creationism stuff because they try to tell you that you know, humans and dinosaurs lived side by side because they want everything to fit within their 6,000 year f- time frame. That's bananas. I think that's just people trying to do the same thing that the Vatican Church did with the whole Big Bang Theory is trying to rewrite history to keep their middleman status of you and your higher self, you and God, right? Or whatever you choose to believe, you know? And <clears throat> for me, I look at all the world's cultures, right? I was semi-trained in anthropology before I dropped out uh, of college. But the the thing that I learned most from anthropology is that no matter where you go uh, across the world, as diverse as all these different cultures are, there is patterns that can be seen, right? And <laughs> one pattern that is overall is that most cultures across the world believe that we were created by a God or an intelligent, you know, creator. So I think that that is important because when you understand that it gets you at this place that allows you to go further. Right. Whereas, and understand spirituality further. Whereas the materialists want you to live in this world that limits you from that. You can go down other outlets of, you know, become an engineer, become a geneticist, become a poison creator at a big pharma company. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not understanding, you're not evolving into your spiritual progression. And and why is that important, Deborah? Well, because, you know, there is a parasitic influence on this planet that wants you to be separated from your higher self in order to keep you in this low frequency mindset. And how do I know that? I don't really know that. I think that, I think that that's my suspicion. I think that that's what most conspiracy theorists will tell you in a hundred different ways. Everybody has their own culprit who's behind it. Some people say it's the Archon. Some people say it's the lizard people. Some people just say that the, that we, you know, the Buddhists say that we chose to come and live here through this suffering. And and that's part of our progression out of it is you reincarnate into another life where there's less suffering, right? If you play your cards right, so to speak, and, and karma factors into that. So me, I, I'm kind of guilty of just picking and choosing stuff uh, mm-hmm. from different world cultures, but that mostly become came from Bruce Lee, right? I'm a martial artist primarily. And what did Bruce Lee teach us? He taught us that, you know, 
I don't fear the man who practiced a thousand kicks once. I fear the man who practiced one kick a thousand times. And he also said that I don't just take karate for karate. I take karate, judo, jujitsu. I take them all and I find which kick I like and I do that kick a thousand times. So, you know, not only do we have to have dedication, but we have to be able to be inclusive and, and take things from our human brothers and sisters across the world. And I think combining them into a universal truth is what I've, my intuition tells me to do. So as far as who's to blame for why we're in this situation, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a perfect plan that's been, been hatched upon us to keep us in that, in that low frequency state just with, you know, the left, right paradigm for me is what keeps me there all the time and politics and, you know, being pissed off at like what's going on in downtown Portland and, and, you know, just, just stuff like that. And that just keeps me in this mindset of like doom and gloom and like, nothing's going to get better. And then, you know, I'm for the better, not, not any better term. I'm a black pilled a lot of the time from it. And I think that just keeps me pushed down to the spot where I'm not, putting positivity back out into the world, you know, so. Yeah, I think, you know, I practice a sort of obliviousness towards that kind of stuff because I understand that it is damaging to your spiritual energy. You know, I think that it's important to know what's going on in your neighborhood. I I definitely have peaks and valleys of feeling spiritual if that's even a feeling i don't think it is but you know there's there's definitely a need to be blackpilled in order to understand what's going on at the deepest level but you know sam says this a lot like he does not like the black pill cool guys who just make their whole career of of giving doom and gloom you know without any hope and i think yeah. why he feels that way is because hope is important hope is that spiritual energy towards your evolution that i was describing before that is the universal driver right to grow everything yeah. has this plants seeds animals everything has a need to grow right and on a human level since we're so advanced that need to grow is very complex and it comes in different shapes and forms. And, and I think that the controllers of the world, if we can use that catch all term, don't want you to have freedom to chase that drive. They want you to chase the drives that they've created for you. There's a financial incentive to live. You need money to do everything right. You know, eat, sleep, in a bed, you know, without being homeless. So there, there's a lot, bills, you know, all kinds of things are constantly taking you out of that spiritual drive, that primary drive, you know. I'm trying to think of another word for it, original maybe, because it's just, it's primal, you know, it's primary, you know, so prima. So what do people do who are in, you know, what, I, I'm a seeker of the truth. And what do I do to keep that, my frequency 
positive to, to stay in a, a better mindset than just being bummed out all the time when you figure out something that's even more fucked up than what I learned about yesterday, you know? Well, for me, as someone who believes in reincarnation and, and the, the validity of my own human soul, I think it's important to remind yourself every day that you chose to live this life. You made the decision to inhabit this body and to take on this task. And it wasn't always going to be easy. You didn't choose it because it was going to be easy. You decided to come and live in this third dimensional reality because it's hard, because there's suffering, because there's lessons to learn. And the trial by fire might burn you, but it makes you stronger, you know. And I think that when we're reminded of that, it gives us a sense of bravery that you can't be killed. You can't be stopped because you do reincarnate and you do have a life outside of this body. And you do have a mind and a soul outside of this body. And when you're reminded of that every day, things like that, while still being important and real, have less of an impact on you because the, some of the, the severity is gone because you realize that, you know, it's not that you have a safety net, so to speak, but you do have a second chance almost. Like you're never out of, you're never just, you know, on your last straw, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like the worst case scenario is not as bad as, we may imagine it to be yeah yeah i mean there's so many inspiring stories of people who've bounced back from the war situations and and i think that overall there's a lot of despair this year and there's a lot of things that have happened because of the pandemic that were designed to traumatize us because there are groups of people who worship a prophetic timeline, who are trying to usher in cataclysmic events for their own nefarious seeming needs, right? So they usher in this climatic, apocalyptic, you know, energy by traumatizing us. And then they absorb it all and they benefit from it at our expense, you know, and I think that's why you see these mass rituals that they do at like the Super Bowl and these kind of symbols that they use in pop culture that everybody absorbs from popular music to popular television to, you know, just images in a newspaper. I mean, those photographers take pictures there's certain shape or meaning sometimes in the pictures that you can deduce if you have the right cipher. But, you know, amongst all these symbols and this trauma, there's hope because more than ever, people are waking up to this because I think that the inevitable is happening, that we're all growing out of their control and their reins are slipping off of us. So they're getting more desperate and they're saying, Oh no, no, no. You have to wear a mask and cover your face so that this year, the year of the great awakening, you can't even talk to your neighbor because you're going to be afraid of your neighbor. He's contagious. And anybody you see in public, you're not even going to know if they're smiling at you. All you're going to see is their eyes. And you're not going to know. 
Why are they doing that? Because this is the year of the awakening. So they're trying to put the brakes on it because they can't control an awakened 8 billion people if there even is that many people, if they're even telling us the truth about that. Because I haven't counted, have you? (laughs) Who counted? How did we get that count? I never even even (laughs) thought of that. You know, so you know, yeah, I didn't fill out. I didn't fill out my census paperwork, so yeah. I'm not on there. They're counting every baby my property. You think they're counting every baby that's born in a hut in the woods somewhere? No. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that they're becoming more and more desperate, and it's being revealed onto us. And you know, whether you like Trump or you hate Trump, he has definitely thrown a big thorn in the media side and the media was the primary way that they propagandized us and kept us all thinking through the same reality tunnel right so trump came and said no 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 that's all fake news these people are bullshitting you and look at what they're doing they're lying about what i say and then you look and they actually were like you watch one of his press conferences on c-span and where there's no editing and he says a hundred words CNN shows you 10 and they're not even in the right order, (laughs) you know? So it's like, you know, I think with him being this clown, crazy, almost guy who, you know, I hate to say he's the first president I actually think has done anything good maybe in the past 150 years, if that's his only good thing is showing us all that the media is bullshit which it is you know i'm not really too deep in the politics so i don't i can't sit here and tell you anything else good that he's done but that's obvious to me i mean it should be obvious to everybody that if it wasn't for our president that the media would probably still have a bigger grip on the reality tunnel that we all see through you know <laughs> do you think that if biden is put in place which it's looking more and more every day like it's going to happen i think sam's losing that that bet i think johnny woodard's coming up on so deborah the guy johnny the guy that runs the soundboard and stuff for sam he's been taking bets with people who there's a lot of people that come on tinfoil hat that think that there's no way that biden's going in so he's been betting like a whole bunch of people 250 bucks i think he's got up to like 2000 that there's that biden will be president so but Sam thinks at the time to put put money on on Trump remaining president. So I think there's no way. I mean, I think I think didn't the electoral college just come through the other day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think if if Trump did anything, yeah, it's to expose the media, and then he also destroyed the Bush and Clinton families at the same time too, which was good. But right when he thought the they were gone then they're they're all back in the in the cabinet now so yeah yeah Mark, all- can you talk a little more about you said the year of enlightenment is that what you called it or well yeah i mean you can call it a bunch of things i probably butcher the true meaning of a lot of words but i think the great revealing or great awakening i mean the word apocalypse itself doesn't mean the end of the world it means the beginning of a new world or a new outlook or a new perspective and and when the ancient peoples of the world wrote it down in the calendar that this you know 
eight years or so because the Romans kind of messed it up. But then David Matheson told me that that wasn't true. So I don't really know where that is. Have you guys heard that about the Roman calendar and how it was pushed back eight years? I don't know. Maybe. So that what, what was supposed to happen in 2012 was going to happen on the 21st. On yeah. The solstice? yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Can you elaborate on it anymore? Deborah, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, the idea that that comes from is, is the Mayan calendar has a series of, uh, groups of years. I think it's about 2,600 years. And this is equal to each constellation, right? As we're processing through, the equinox will be pointing at a different constellation every cycle of years, right? So right now we're going from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius the age of you know the song so Hair. that is real it's a real thing you know it's astronomically true it's not just new age stuff and whether or not it was supposed to happen in 2012 or 2020 i'm not sure like i said i used to think it was one way but then david matheson who does the blog and the website star myth world he is probably you know one of the when it comes to astronomy and astrology i, I trust him a you know, he's out there looking at the stars. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the constellations. So I'm not really sure about that eight-year discrepancy, but I will say that 2020 is way more interesting than 2012 was. I mean, way more yeah. interesting. So if if it is that, then I think here it is. And, and the transition period is probably why it's so rough is because this is a transition period and what we're going to come out from this will be what I was describing before with the progression of humanity, the progression of a human being, right? Everything in nature can be scaled from microcosm to macrocosm, right? Just like, you know, I was describing the Fibonacci sequence earlier and smallest little particles have the same pattern that the biggest organisms follow, you know, it's all related. So when you consider that a child grows into an adult, I think humanity as a whole is coming from its teenage years into an adulthood possibly, you know, and what does that mean for our collective consciousness? I think it means that we're going to become able to do more than we were previously. I think the age of Aquarius will come with new aspects of consciousness i think that humans are going to learn the importance of liberty and freedom i think humans are going to learn the importance of inclusivity and including each other and this whole thing that the age of pisces was duality and separate everybody was separate fighting each other that's why they're trying to divide us right now you know because pisces was so fruitful for them. They were able, the elite, the rulers, the controllers, they were able to manipulate us so easily when Pisces was the dominant vibration because Pisces is dualistic. It's two, you know, it's yin and yang, but we're moving away from that. We're moving to the Aquarius, which is the water pour. It pours water on What happens when you pour water in mud? It brings everything up to the surface, you know, and things separate and become clear again, you know? 
So I think that's what we're we're seeing right now is a bunch of waters being spiritual waters being poured and everything's being disrupted like you would if you poured water in a still pond. You know, everything's disrupted for some moments, but then it returns to stillness, you know, and I think when when we return to that stillness, human consciousness will be evolved and then we'll be dealing with the problems of Aquarius, right? And then we'll get on to the next one, you know, and then there'll be new aspects. So I think you're always pushing this ball forward because nothing's ever static, you know. All we have is the moment and the moment is changing. So if the moment is changing, you know, we can't depend on anything. And I think other than change. (laughs) So I'm going to ask a selfish question, which is how long is this time of transition from what we're in now into the next going to last for? That's a good question. So the 2,600 years right now, (laughs) well, 2,600 years, uh, roughly, right. That's what they say each age is. So if you divide that by four, that would be like 6.5. Okay. And 6.5 thousand years (laughs) or wait, yeah, 26,000. So yeah, 6,000 years. So, I mean, that's a large amount of time you're talking about. I don't know, really. I think that the Vedic, they kind of divided the grouping of that four years into, they described it like this, the age of lead, the age of bronze, the age of silver, and the age of gold, right? So obviously the age of lead would be the the densest, the roughest, the hardest, and it progressively gets better. I think everybody can guess what the age of gold is, right? I mean, it sounds great. So I think what we're leaving is an age of lead. And we're going into the next stage, you know? I think there was kind of a golden age I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I think, I think things are ultimately getting better though. So do you think in our lifetimes, you're much younger than I am, I think, but do you think in our lifetimes we'll see, we'll emerge from this age of struggle that we're in right now into an age of enlightenment? Well, like I said before, I think the struggle just evolves as we do. So the struggle changes. I think that it's important that we make things easier so we're not suffering to the extremity of being slaves to a technocracy that puts microchips in our brains. I think that would be the opposite of progressing. I think we definitely can't let anything like that happen. And that's going to take a lot of hard work. You know, these tech companies are definitely trying to own our bodies with these vaccines and with these bioorganic patents that they have applied to fruits and nuts and all this stuff and now they want to apply it to you so you know that that scares me i think that's definitely important but yeah i don't know i think that ultimately spirituality will teach us that the way we're dealing with technology now is not right and it's destructive it's selfish and it's inherently like the wrong way to use these materials. I think that we don't even have 
the beginnings of the comprehension of what Tesla was building. I think Tesla was on, not Elon Musk, Nikola Tesla, you know. Nikola Tesla was building some really interesting things and the implications of that were what we have now. Quantum physics, you know, is kind of new and and free energy kind of goes into that. And those things are so profound that they could change the world for the better, you know, extremely and fast. So I don't know, you know, how this all pans out. I'm not a prophet, you know, but I do think there's just as much hope as there is despair. I think it's always going to be balanced like that. Yeah. Where, where my head went is thinking back boundaries are what made humans feel safe. You know, I have my cave, you have your cave, and you can't enter my cave unless I invite you in. And then, you know, it expands from there. I, I think about God in this way, and you think about God in that way. So we have a boundary, and, and we're not going to mix it up. We're going to stay separate. And now we have countries that, you know, terrify us. And we have to protect our country from I mean, we have, their countries. We have states, people like where you live have states that terrify them well that but i, I was just kind of you guys are terrified of florida yes that's true but so how how you know we've always thought that way it seems that you know the person on the other side doesn't have our best interest you know so we have to protect ourselves from the person from the other side from how that it just seems like that's kind of become our nature and it started so many millennium ago that how do we how do we stop being afraid of each other yeah that's a good question i think that individualism doesn't require fear of others i think that people can respect each other's individuality in a mature way you know i think that when people are put under a distressing circumstance they look to do unjust things to other people because there's an unfairness in the world that they now are taking out on another person right so if we progressively got the world to more fair place i think you would see less people taking out injustices on others you know i think that there's that controlling force that I've mentioned multiple times throughout this conversation. I think that they, they want to prod at us to create that fear, to create that sense of insecurity because it's something that they benefit from. That's how they have their schemes over us, you know? Mm -hmm. Keep us divided. Yeah. Humans inherently, can grow to respect each other as individuals. I don't think that that that's a problem for anybody. I think what the problem is, is we've been, we've been manipulated to think that there are people to fear. And and since it's too obvious that you shouldn't fear your neighbor, I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? Like there's no, that's why so many people are like, why are all the racists in the country? What, you know, like all these people in the blue States, I'm in Connecticut, which is pretty blue. You know, they have this imaginary idea that the red states are full of racists and they're just like the worst people and they all love Confederate flags and Confederate statues for some reason. But it's like, 
where are you getting that from? You're getting that from these people that want you to hate others, you know, because those people, they have the same psyop where they are in an insulated community where there's only maybe one race of person. It's not just white people, black people experience the same type of racism where you're insulated within a community and you learn to dislike other people that you don't normally see. I mean, that I think is something that's been projected at us because of city planning, city zoning. I mean, if you look at the way that these places in America were carved out after World War II with highways, they literally separated black people from white people. What is that going to do, folks? That's going to make competition. It's going to make, you know, territorialism, right? So So it's in, in San Francisco and like the Bay Area, they have the BART, which is like the subway. It's the Bay Area rapid transit. It goes all over the Bay Area. When they were creating it in the late 60s, right, Deborah? Yes. They, where Deborah lives, Marin County, which is on the north side, it's just the one county north of San Francisco on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Marin County voted that they didn't want the BART to be able to go there. And that it, was, it was for that reason, you know, they didn't want people from outside inner city areas coming into their into their county but then when you consider how racism is being applied today where it's no longer the city planners or the zoners fault it's the people who are victim to that city planning's fault it's the white people in the south who were in those isolated communities because nobody of color ever chose to live there. You know, it's not their fault that they chose to live in a really crappy place and were too stubborn to move. I mean, (laughs) you know, nobody wants to go there. You get these people in the backwoods of West Virginia who they're just isolated. Maybe that creates this kind of thinking, but then they get blamed for it, right? Not the isolationism or not in the city's case, the pre-planned territorialism right so now in these big leftist cities you have all these people thinking that there's these racists out there but they're forgetting to realize how they don't you know they're looking at the problem without understanding the root of the problem and that's why they just want to you know burn down confederate statues as if those were hurting anybody i mean it's just ridiculous you know those don't even exist in the liberal places where those people live (laughs) there's no confederate statues in brooklyn there's no confederate statues in san francisco who are the statues oppressing you know so that's that's where i get you know i think that that you can no matter what part of it to get back to your question deborah no matter what problem you look at in most cases i think that we're being prodded we're being manipulated to be problematic because the controllers, the ruling class, they set it up this way. They set it up this way. They set up the division within the lower strata of class so that there's never unity amongst the lower or middle class. And then the upper class can, you know, benefit off the fruits of the ruling elite. That's all it is. It's just those two at the top cajoling each other to keep us against each other so we never go against them 
you know middle and upper or middle and lower class are always always clashing you know the middle class joins the military the lower class joins gangs and now they've incentivized that you know the military to go into poor communities and suck up a lot of those people's lives and take a lot of the the alpha males out of those communities you know it's through all that, it's or through through all manipulated putting them in prison as well exactly yeah exactly where they're segregated again you know exactly and 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 what does that do it takes all of the manpower out of a community right if you have no fathers in that community to offer guidance to the children that are being born nothing against the strong single mothers who are obviously making up for that but you know you can't do it alone i think that men and women were meant to raise a child together i think that's just how it works in nature it's just how it is you know and they manipulated that away from people in poor communities with their social programs right so you have the militarized industrial complex you have the prison industrial complex you have the hospital industrial complex these are all suckers they suck people out of their communities and put them into this new strata and then those communities suffer I mean, I'm not a sociologist, so I hate to, uh, <laughs> to talk out of turn, but that's just what I, that's just what I suspect. Does that make sense about the, about the like welfare and social pro- programs, Deborah? Yes. Do you know like what a lot of times like a prerequisite for a mother to get welfare is? No. It's that there can't be a father in the house. Hmm. And that yeah, was so who, who did that? I think that was Eisen Eisenhower that did that, or I forget who, which president it was. But yeah, so a lot of times there couldn't even be like a a man in the same like your father, the father of your children couldn't be in the same state that yeah. you lived in, or something like that for in, you to in be order. Yeah. yeah, they incentivize it. They incentivize it, and then to insult to injury they put a billboard up from fatherhood.org that says being a dad is cool and you know i've seen this sign in hartford i've seen this sign in philadelphia i've seen this sign in the bronx right these are yeah they had the, they had that stuff i used to live in oakland they had that stuff there too yeah and what is but what does that tell you what does that tell you that tells you that the state right has incentivized this thing that's hurting the community and then who's in charge of fixing it? These, you know, organizations that are nonprofit and charitable. And you look at these groups and they're all shady. They're all laundering money. They're all just ways for this upper class, right, above the middle class, to manipulate the middle class into thinking they're helping the lower class. So you give these people in the middle class jobs in these groups and they think, oh, yeah, we're doing all this outreach. We're feeding the homeless. We're helping the homeless. But at the end of the day, those upper classes that are above those organizations are just choking those groups off just enough to keep them afloat, just enough, but never really change the situation because the upper class is a parasite to the middle and lower class and above them is an even deeper and 
longer parasite that used to call themselves king and queen, but they can't do that anymore because we chopped their heads off too many times. So now they have to hide in the Bilderberg Group and the Council of Foreign Relations and all these other three-letter organizations. But guess what? We're podcasting now, folks, so we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, my mind's blown. I'm having a hard time. Oh, I'm not having a hard time, but I'm having, I'm, I've got a lot of stuff to think about. How do you feel, Deborah? Pretty much the same. It's, I mean, these are, these are huge concepts. They're, now you know if... why my family thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> Hey, uh, Mark, we didn't really, I think it's a good spot to, to call it there. I think yeah. we've covered enough yeah, for the yeah. day. And I think um, we originally wanted yeah. to get you on to talk about the occult a little bit, but this was just this was, as good, if, you, yeah. if not better, more eye-opening. You know, this, yeah. this, this is the foundations of the, the occult, because what I, what I really, you know, when you want to talk about the occult, it's so... You know, it's such a weird thing to get into because then you have people who are like, oh, I can teach you these rituals and stuff, but that's all personal. You're supposed to figure that out on your own. There's secret groups that teach you stuff. You know, none of that I think matters. The What really matters with the occult is understanding what's been hidden because the occult is just a word for hidden. And what's been hidden is the connection between you and your higher self, you and God. Because when you have a connection with God, None of those rituals matter. You are the ritual. You are doing the power by manifesting the reality you want to live. And the way you do that is by being confident in yourself and just living your life. And don't let this despair get you down. See your goals and actualize them. Just be determined to get it done. You know, I think that that's what they don't want you to do. That's yeah. the occult. That's what's been hidden from you. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I was before you came on, we did a little opening segment. And I told Deborah I, last night at my house, I had a like an underground farmer's market and people came over and sold stuff that they made themselves, you know, and it was the first one we did. I'm going to do it once a month unless I get raided because awesome I'm idea. putting this out. So I'd like to encourage everybody to do that. It's really easy. You know, I um, connected with a group called freedomcells.org. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with Derek Bros at all, but he promotes yeah. it quite heavily. So check it out. I'd be uh, interested. I'm interested to see what it's like in different parts of the country. But you go on there, freedomcells.org. You put in your your location, and then it's like a clunky old like Facebook, but it's not as anywhere as close to as good. You just I don't even go on there anymore. But I, when I first did, I made a profile. It shows you, puts you on a map. And it shows you where everybody else is around you that's interested in liberty and freedom. That's awesome. And then from there, it's up to you to, to decide what you're going to do with it. And we have uh, bi-monthly meetups. And, uh, you know, it's just people that are seeking, you know, freedom, liberty, human interaction. And so last night, I got people from that group to come over to my place against the law, against the governor's orders to to socialize and hug and shake hands and like you could see even you know it's cool that i got to sell some beef jerky and stuff that i made at my house but the real magic of it was that like people were there you know different races different 
genders and different, you know, all genders from in between to male and female. And we're all at my house last night, different races and everything. And it was, it was rad, you know? So yeah, put it out there that anybody, anybody can do that. As long as you got a space, it's really easy to do and just connect with, with people. And that's a revolutionary act right now. So can we can we get you back on sometime soon, Mark, to Please, yeah, talk yeah. about thank some other stuff? For, thank you for I don't know, being patient with me. I'm a little all over the place with my schedules, but no worries, I, man. I'm gonna keep it together. And uh, yeah, I, I loved being here. I loved meeting you both, Adam and Deborah. And yeah, anytime. And I'd love to get you uh, on with Sam. You know, maybe his Patreon and. and he kind of yeah. he calls who's going to be on tinfoil hat. I don't. Yeah, you know, I gotta get permission from him yeah. for that. Yeah, that'd be yeah. a that'd be a it's dream come true. He had me on he had me on his Patreon once last summer. Oh, okay. I talked about anarcho capitalism. You know. Oh, I probably heard you then. That's maybe so. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get on to talk about more like more conspiracy stuff, and I I yeah. goaded him into verbally committing to my show on on one of the patreons so we'll get him on eventually i mean he knows who i am so i love him and uh i'm glad that you're uh, helping him out and the the guest list that you're getting on that show is is fantastic and uh, to do this show too this is like a fun concept deborah gets red pilled i love the idea so yeah i'll talk to him about it maybe we'll see what can happen you know no yeah I'd, yeah it'd be you know he's not he's definitely like just for me, because he's kind of the one that got me down the yeah conspiracy sure. uh, podcast rabbit hole. Like every so, I always say like my lineage is like I heard I listen. I was just a normal guy listening to Joe Rogan first podcast. I kind of discovered, found uh, Tinfoil Hat on the first episode because I think Eddie Bravo had talked about doing it with Sam. Started listening to that. I'm a huge I do jujitsu, so I'm a huge Eddie Bravo fan. And then just you know got sucked in. And that was, you know, the perfect time because I was kind of came from where Sam did in the 2016 election and realizing that it was all garbage and bullshit. And that sent me down this huge rabbit hole. But yeah, Mark, this was uh, great. You want to tell anybody about your podcast and where we can find you and stuff? Yeah, please. My podcast is called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. It's on all of the podcast places. You can go to linktree. Dot, or it's link tr.ee slash mftic and that'll show you where all of it's just a link tree like with the yeah, i need to make one of those, those used yeah it's free so definitely make one uh it's working for only fans chicks so <laughs> yeah you can find my podcast on all of the uh podcast places and we have a patreon so yeah please check us out we have like seven episodes <laughs> yeah and if i'd suggest going back is it okay if i promote your your crowley tinfoil hat episode i thought i thought you were right so yeah mark did a great ulster crowley episode with with sam on tinfoil hat and it was it was sometime in probably around uh, august or september right yeah yeah october or august i don't yeah we'll go back and find that one is good and um perfect man deborah final thoughts i have a lot of thinking to do are you more confused than when we started today absolutely but it's a good thing yeah that's the that's the point of the show all right guys enjoy your weekend mark thanks for making time for thank us thank you mark thank and, you so uh, much hopefully it's not the we'll, it'll, we'll get you on soon yeah I, it, I would love to hear more from you 
Thank you. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back anytime. All right, guys. Okay. Be free. Peace. We love you. We're out. Bye-bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.